0: Welcome to VarmBlog, where our aim is to give you the best in analysis and philosophy, political economy, history, art, culture, and geopolitics from a left-wing and socialist-friendly perspective. We aim to bring you different perspectives from different walks of life and to have you educate yourself what to do with what you learn here. We do not aim to give you Prefabricated and easy answers. Abandon all hope, you who subscribe here, for you will learn and it will be your responsibility what you do. And with that, let's today's episode. Hello and welcome to VARM blog and Regrettable Century with a guest from And the Measures Taken and this is one of the first on a series of panels um, On the legacy and decline of Trotskyism in the United States and also the world There will be supplementary panels um, on this But I'm also going to tell people that I'm not just picking on Trotskyism We're also going to talk about the decline of of non-Dungist, non, non-connected to official Chinese communism, Maoism, in a separate series. Um, this is partly inspired by trying to figure out why there are so many Marxist-Leninists who are not in Marxist-Leninist organizations, who have no ties to Trotskyism or Maoism, who have even less of a mass base, which we're going to talk about because none of these organizations have ever really had a mass base. Um, Not at least after 19, not at least after World War II, really. Um, And then I think I might also start off with the strange non-death of Trotskyism. Because one of the questions I've always had is... Why did it survive for another generation after 1992, at least? Because almost every question that made Trotskyism unique is gone, and the Trotskyist organizations no longer had a cohesion and coherent conception of either what their two actual theoretical innovations—permanent revolution or transitional program. Um, because for a lot of trustyest organizations like the ISO, they they had what I would consider a, a g- gizdeism almost, where they like we know that our reforms are going to fail, but we're going to push for them anyway to radicalize uh, the population. And I'm like, literally, that's the first thing Marx himself warned against of the impossibleism, yeah. Of the political strategies, that's the one that got Marx to say I am not a Marxist clearly and unequivocally. There's no ambiguity about it. And yet that was maintained by like, I don't know, half the ISO. Um
1: also Yeah, but they never admitted that they that they thought that those reforms were never going to happen or weren't going to work. It's so they, they were able to to provide that the level of cognitive dissonance
0: right um so first off i guess to talk about the clan trotskyist in in america we have to do what what is a dastardly um situation and briefly as briefly as we can (laughs) talk about what the trotskyist factions and sects were and where they came from because one of the interesting things that I will point out um, as we talk about this, there was a maintenance and revival of Trotskyism in America in the aughts and aught teens, till to, to about the mid-aught teens. Mm. But interestingly, it was none of it was from the American traditions. The Canaanite ones, the original Trotskyist sects and ideas, were dying and increasingly the iso which does one of the few organizations we're going to talk about still existing unlike salt which was literally salted from another country um (laughs) uh it increasingly dropped its shakmanite draperite character for a cliffite character salt you mean no um the iso the yeah. iso or, yeah like yeah. by the time i encountered the iso i thought it was like purely a tony cliff organization because it had such strong ties uh to the swp even though it had been kicked out of the ist
1: yeah i mean it it affiliated with the ist after already having been in an independent grouping and then got kicked out but right. then maintained the exact same politics and still like bought all and reprinted all of the IST's books and yeah it was it was a just just a eyed organization by the time I joined in like 2004
2: yeah right. we have to talk about the tradition of splitting actually i mean that the tendency of splitting yeah. but did you really want to start at the very beginning bart
0: maybe we should start at the end um, also we <laughs> should t- uh i don't know this this one's this one's tough because the decline of trotskyism in america has happened multiple times. Um, and that in and of itself is hard to explain, why it kept coming back. Okay, yeah. This one feels terminal in a different way. Um, and also, I think we have to like look at the opinion of Trotskyism in America because like I remember during like Trotsky's birthday you had the Norfites like complaining about like social Democrats celebrating ice picks in the in, in the dsa um not just Stalinists anymore um so when and, was that was that recently No, it was about it's about three years ago Okay. Yeah. It was like right before the pandemic.
1: That was when the Stalinists and the DSA hated Trotskyists and then the, all the, you know, boring Harringtonites and the DSA hated Trotskyists because all of the salt and ISO people that joined that were trying to yeah. take over the DSA.
0: So we have to talk, I guess we do have to talk about the, the, maybe we work backwards this one's a tough one. Um, but I'm also going to give us all of our biases. Uh, Stefan, have you now or ever been a follower of any Trotskyite? Uh,
2: yeah. So um, I think of this in terms of, in terms of uh, genealogies. So uh, I think that I did, I did inherit a version of Trotskyism. That's unambiguous. I was a member of the, of the IMHO, the international Marxist humanist organization uh, where I, where, which was sort of like my graduate training in, in Marxism and, um, and that was uh, a Raya Genius Sky organization. Raya herself was secretary to Trotsky and uh, a prominent American member of the SWP uh, before they before the Johnson Force tendency split. And therefore, I inherited some version, uh, therefore, of Trotskyism, which is a version of Leninism. It's a curious one, having gone through many twists and uh, and turns, including giving up any concept of the party uh, and you know, et cetera.
0: Um, no vanguard party, no uh what else um no programism at all no um,
3: proletariat
0: uh, well
2: right that's right no proletariat necessarily right instead only uh, the
0: advanced or, parts of the proletariat by advanced we mean of color
2: yeah it's true also the curious habit of miners and and agricultural workers to uh to happen to when in the right conditions meaning properly trained properly allowed for by the party or by the organization will just sprout Uh, You know, uh, just lines from the phenomenology of spirit. It's it's a remarkable phenomenon.
0: And interestingly, these organizations, while they are not parties and uh, denounce them, often have at least one of them has a more authoritarian structure than a lot of Marxist-Leninist parties does yeah Straight they're all map. over the
2: map i think you're talking about <laughs> Kleiman's organization which is um, which is uh a model of of uh you know first person uh boosterism but that said you know um uh, like Trotskyism at its very origin, uh, many of these organizations are built around individuals. And those individuals often have tremendous contributions to make. I mean, these days, they're not, they're not like political figures. They're academic figures. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything these, these, these people have to say is wrong. In fact, I still learn a lot. I, I, I admire the, the, you know, the Hudes Anderson go-to program uh, translation that we just got. That's really useful, you know, et cetera.
0: Regrettable Jason. Have you now, or have you ever <laughs> been a Trotskyite? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the
3: the The short answer is yes. I mean, I think I was I was a member of the Young Communist League and the Communist Party until I was eh, about nineteen, and then I joined the ISO. For then I was doing the ISO for kind of like a like a while until I was about thirty, and I was in the National Committee and whatever it it really just kind of defined my life for a little while so then afterward i was like looking around for whatever else is trotskyist that i could do while being a member of the dsa it took a little while for me to like really fully like consciously abandon all of the like the the heritage and so on but even now like eh, you know it's, it's like it's very interesting and important to like know stuff and so i read some things but i would say that I think I've finally really fully abandoned all of my Trotskyism. All right. Finally, he's done. (laughs) Yeah, it Uh, took like almost dying, but then... (laughs) (laughs) Exercised. Yeah.
0: All right. Regrettable Chris, have you Uh, now or ever been a Trotskyite? Yeah, well,
1: my trajectory is similar to Jason's. In fact, I'm the one that got him Uh, to join the Young Communist League and the CPUSA. Uh, Then right around the time that we quit the CPUSA, uh, I was really looking around for different Trotskyist organizations. And I was like super into the socialist alternative at the time. I think it was socialist alternative. I don't know. I was like in my early 20s, maybe. It was socialist alternative. I was looking into them and I really liked them. And I was in contact with some people from there and then around that was around the time that we met the iso people and we were like you know these guys are kind of weird with their state capitalism shit and they're like uh no there wasn't actually real socialism in the uh the soviet union kind of like intellectually dishonest obfuscation way way to like not actually have to deal with the question Mm -hmm. um and but whatever they're the biggest game in town and they're really the only ones here so jason and i joined and we were both. Pretty much crypto orthotrots the entire time we were in yeah. the, the ISO. And then I quit in, I think, 2014, whenever they did their big shift towards, oh, yeah, forget everything we ever said about identity politics. Now we're, like, actually really into identity politics. <laughs> and it wasn't so much the identity politics, but just the really dishonest and shitty way that they went about doing it that made me quit. I just yeah, lost I, yeah. lost interest in spending all of my time doing Trotskyist stuff. And then I uh, kind of just floated around until Jason and I. Oh, I joined the DSA as a paper member and uh, never did anything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say that my I've pretty much exercised the Trotskyism from my brain to for the most part. But you know uh, it, that the post-Trotskyism is still rattling around in there with my what's left of my Leninism and everything else.
3: Yeah, I stuck okay. around for like another year to like, whatever, keep fighting the good fight. But uh, that's like the worst aspect of being a Trotskyist is just not giving up and just being entirely alone and thinking that that was good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Me. Have I ever been a Trotskyite? <laughs> yeah. And and the question to that is actually similarly to Stefan complicated but it's more complicated by the fact that I have come through arguably three different post trotskyist tendencies um Are you uh, collecting them for a while before 2014 yeah um so let me I was involved in the in the SP uh USA as a uh, fellow traveler because I was out of the country because couldn't join a local Um, and I was attached to the, I believe it was called the militant tendency. And it was basic. I didn't know this. I didn't have a word for this. It was basically a post Marcy tendency of like, um, what would be anything after 1978 doesn't count Maoist and Trotskyist who were willing to work with them. Um, because they had a critique of the Soviet Union, but they were defensists. So that was the tendency I was allied to. I would love to pretend it was that coherent. Are they stated that clearly? They did not. We read a bunch of Trotsky and Maltex, etc. Um, coming out of that, I was thrown first towards the Kasama Project, which was immediately unpalatable to me, and then towards the... Um, then towards Platypus Affiliated Society, of which I was a member for a year and a fellow traveler for an, a year and a half. Um, the Platypus Affiliated Society's lineage is complicated, but um, at least a few of its initial members are are direct descendants of the Spartacist League um, and that branch of Orthodox Trotskyism, but Uh, While there is an admiration for Orthodox Trotskyism within Platypus, no one would ever accuse it of being Trotskyist. Um, And then lastly, out of when I was coming out of that, um, I was reading a lot of the Weekly Worker, um, you know, the McNair public, well, it's not McNair, McNair and Jack Conrad and whatnot, publication from the Communist Party of Great Britain Provisional Committee. and got sucked into North Star, which was post iso, which was a publication wasn't really an organization we really uh, really hated North Star, yeah um but, no you really did like yeah. like Sorry I about that. In, i got i've been put on I've been put on an ISO enemies list multiple times, <laughs> but uh but um it's actually so, amazing
3: how often our paths almost crossed, and yeah. what we probably would have had to fight if if they did.
0: We met we met actually just just late enough that we didn't have to declare each yeah. other enemies. Yeah. Um yeah, luckily. <laughs> so and that was a Kameho-inspired, which is also kind of a Marxist tendency. Now, for those of you who don't know, Marxism is what we might call tanky trotskyism, and that's always been true. It defended it defended the Soviet Union's actions in Hungary and in the Prague Spring. Uh, it being Sam Marcy, which is why he split. Um, However, a lot of the current U.S. Marcyist organizations will try to tell you that he wasn't really a Trot at that point, and that's not true. He remained a Trot as far as I know his entire life. Um, So that that leads us to the context of of world Trotskyism. One of the things we have to deal with in the U.S. is the U.S. has an indigenous, for lack of a better word, Trotskyist tradition that goes directly back to the man himself. Um, And there is an imported Trotskyist tradition which goes back to Britain for the most part. The Argentine, Mexican, and French Trotskyists have had some influence on American Trotskyism um, like theoretically, but their organizations have never. So... As far as I know, I can't find any like imported organizations from France or Argentina. Um, and like Mandalitism was kind of like, you know, it, it was kind of adopted by the USSWP. But do we have any Posadist groups here? No. no. Posadist tendencies are post groups. So like they, they count. I mean, it's weird. It kind of, I literally think that started from an internet meme. Um, (laughs) so, um, that's confusing. And if you have, if you're one of my many, many viewers who were politicized after 2014 or have never had an experience with Trotskyism or come from say a more like, uh, a PSL or WWP, that's World Workers Party, a party for socialism and liberation view of, uh, revisionism also, by the way, I would i hate to tell you guys, but you guys are used to be trots, uh, my PSL and WWP friends, but oh, yeah, um, definitely, um, you probably don't know any of this, and this is probably alienating factions. And then, you know, we're not even dealing with all the post Trotskyist stuff because that's a whole that might have to be its own legacy. Like, why was there even a thing called post Trotskyism? Um, and really like the ISO should be considered post trotskyist like
1: like yeah. I know any like orthotrots in the in the uh, in the audience are gonna be like the ISO isn't real Trotskyist so I'm like yeah okay I'll concede that like the ISO is, is like a is definitely uh rejected enough of trotsky to probably cons- be considered post trotskyist well,
0: the iso in the in the uk w- swp is weird also because they were both stalinophobic and stalinophilic at the same time that's a categorization i i get from uh, richard rubin and Chris trump from the platypus affiliated society they try they tend to spectrumize trotskyism and stalinophobic and stalinophilic variants depending on their stances towards defensism it's not actually helpful with the iso because the ISO unfolded a shit ton of Al-Tusere, Uh so much so that a lot of people don't realize that Altusser was a Marxist-Leninist trying to, like, do it in a very strange—trying to basically justify a form of Maoism in a very arcane way. Um, While
2: remaining an official communist,
0: right? He just yeah. remained
2: an official communist his entire life. You know, I, I, can I just butt in to distinguish oh, two— yeah few things. So one of them, and I I love the idea that there's a kind of Trott Kinsey scale, but that whatever that is, it's got (laughs) to be describing uh, you know what the positions of a certain organization or certain members of that organization are on the ground in the present, and then there's another thing that we were talking about earlier, which is acknowledging that these things have lineages, and in fact, maybe in the Trotskyist tradition, those lineages are are more important than in other uh, realms of Marxism, and so it matters like where you came from, where the organization came from. Those two things can have almost You know nothing to do with one another in a a determining capacity. Uh, So it it just isn't the case that if you inherited your Trotskyism from some genealogy, you have that you one is able to predict what the position of any one of your members is at any given time.
1: That's true. I would say you the the only thing that you can predict from it is probably organizational structure, and that would be like adherence to the to the the sect form and the uh, the way that it's organized in the in the sort of caricature
0: of early Bolshevism. That's so, a good point. So I'm, I'm going to put it to you this way. Um, I'm going to list the various tendencies that were um, listed not by their founder names, which is how Trotskyism refer to them, but by a person affiliated with neo I think. Um, and uh, this is... Amal Sanhan, she did a map of U.S. Trotskyism that is incredibly helpful, but... Like, Jason it, did
1: that map back in, like, 2010. <laughs> arguably, similar. this map actually
0: <laughs> uh, actually argues that you have to acknowledge that all lineages within a DSA that aren't, like, pro-ML uh, as, as uh, post-Trotskyist, which is kind of funny, and I think actually true yeah um because i think harrington is is um conciliation of shakmanism, but these are the tendencies mm-hmm. that she came up with that distinguish them official communism which which doesn't last very long by by like the end of the common term there's no but there's no trotskyist group maintaining a left opposition position to official communism um orthodox- uh trotskyism and by that we can uh we can claim a couple of different tendencies. The the Spartacist and the IBT is one, um, the International Bolshevik tendency. And then the Grantites uh are really what we should call them in, in the IMT form, the Woodites, the international Marxist tendency, um, where they really care if you accept the Big Bang or not. Um <laughs> <laughs> o- ultra leftism, which is Trotskyist who subsumed into either councilist or Badigast organizations or took councilist or Badigast positions. Although, interestingly, I would call them left communists, not ultra leftists. But uh, interestingly, Trots- uh, Trotskyist left communists tend to not be accepted by other left communists because if you've met people who were more fractious than even Trotskyist, it's left communist. <laughs> um, right oppositionists are people who emerge uh who decided to align to Bacarn, which interestingly I might count as uh which is funny. I I I joke that I'm like the right that I'm on the right of the of the ultra left. Um <laughs> uh anti-defensism, that's that was you guys. Uh Shackmanism, Cliffiteism. Um It never really was us though. Like me and jason but the rest of the so yeah. yeah yeah officially yeah yeah
3: officially, yeah,
0: officially you guys were anti-defenses uh-huh. uh to our an- great shame anarchism which tends to come out of draperism like wayne price who was in one of the videos that i suggested we watch which i'm going to link in the show notes um for this opportunism is a tendency which i which, which uh, some of these i'm like Hey, but some of these existed within the same organization because I think the ISO and the in the yeah. US and the UK SWP were opportunists as fuck. Yeah, um, absolutely. Democrat tailist organization. Pro-Marxist Leninist Trotskyism, aka American Marxism. Um uh feminist um organizations that were Trotskyist in origin, uh CWI and its offshoots, which is considered an uh I have never understand if we can consider the militant tendency orthodox or not. Um because when I encountered SALT, they seemed like the ISO. But uh and I would always get like I would always confuse them with SALT in Australia, which is which is uh, exactly like the ISO. Which is a cliffhide organization. Yeah, they used uh, to come to our uh conferences and stuff. Yeah. Luxembourgist. Multiple programs are unclear groups. Castroism, which is the actual, the main canonite branch of the USSWP really splits from Orthodox Trotskyism when they're like, when they don't go full pro Marxist Leninist or pro marcyite but do go, but we're going to defend Castroism.
3: Yeah. Um, but they also like, they, they heralded that by formally, you know, denouncing the fact that they were Trotskyists. They like, they wrote um, what was it called? It was a pamphlet called "Their Trotskyan yeah. yeah, yeah. So they they like, I don't know. They they kind of don't belong.
0: Well, like the thing is, that most of these groups, that yeah, don't belong. By the time you get to the 2010s, let's let's be honest. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love that there's the multiple programs that are unclear, and the Marxist humanisms, um, <laughs> uh, of which there are at least two, and that is confusing. Because Marxist humanism also refers to Gramsciism, to uh Khrushchevism, etc. Which which is always like Schrodinger's Marxist humanist when I meet someone who's a Marxist humanist, I'm like, are you a Huttis, an Anderson Marxist humanist? Are you a climate Marxist humanist? Are you just like not an Althusserian Marxist humanist? Which one are you? It's the hyphen. It's the hyphen.
2: Yeah, go right. look for the hyphen. if it's a hyphen then it's then it's then it's us. If there's no hyphen then it's
0: them. Yes, I will say so. Like many fucking things, a small technicality of grammar is the only way you can tell the difference. Um, So, it took us 20 minutes just to lay down the trajectories. That isn't even getting to the different sex and sex tendencies. So, um, (laughs) there are at least um, 50-something sex uh it that have existed that claim trotskyist legacy in the in the United States. There are at least um at least eight or nine named tendencies, not of what not just we talked about in direction, but there is there's the militant tendency. There's a Grantite tendency. There's the Marcyite tendency. There's a Norfite tendency. Norfite's real weird. There's the Oriolite tendency, which I don't think exists anymore. There's a Shackmanite tendency. There's a Cliffite tendency, which subsumed the Shackmanite tendency. There's the Draperite subset of the Shackmanite tendency. There's the right wing subset of the Shackmanite tendency. Doesn't there... the Draperite
1: sub tendency go into the ISO as well? Some of it does, some of it becomes anarchist,
0: yeah. uh, like and, this, and but, some
3: of it becomes a section of the group that was called Solidarity. I, oh, the group that is called Solidarity,
0: yes. Um, and then some of it becomes the foundation of what is now Marxist Leninist brag, uh, uh, monthly review. So, yeah, right. Um, there's the post, there's the Spartacist and post Spartacist, um. League, and then there are like workers' power, alarm, um, etc. Now, that's just in the United States. In the world, there's Pabloite, Mandelite. Um, I forget the French tendencies beyond Mandel, but there's a bunch of them. Um, it's such there's an an just a lot, yeah. Anyway. There's Posadite, like. And every now and then, these ideological tendencies will show up in America as like subsect of groups because someone read a book from somewhere or found an internet meme or something. Yeah. So, um, now I know that sounds crazy because you're like, "Oh, only Trotskyists do that." If I start listening to different Maoist traditions where legacy is less important, um, but splitting is also super common you will have a similarly weird concatenation of it's
3: actually probably double even yeah
0: well um, that that's,
2: should be curious because it is the intention of of Trotskyism from the very beginning from 1929 to found an alternative set of organizations in every country possible in order to win to wrest dominance of the international communist movement from you know from from the from the soviet state uh, or the, those who are currently in control of the Soviet state. At least that's that's the idea right up until the, the Second World War. Um, that's just not true of any... There's never a moment in, in the Chinese Revolution when some figure in the Chinese Revolution decides that there really ought to be an alternative international set of organizations. That's true. So maybe it's the case that Maoism in the United States is the way it is in its sect-like existence because they're just organizationally tailing the Trotskyists. <laughs>
0: We would, I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's I would bigger say, than that. I would say it's actually got to be bigger than that because that tendency amongst Maoist happens in countries that don't have strong Trotskyist movements. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, some of that has to do with the internal politics of China and people attaching themselves to particular figures at, outside of China, like Lin Bao or Zhou Enlai or you know any. Um, or the Gang of Four or... or later dung or anti-dung movements. And then there's also the fact that uh in Latin America there's auxiliary movements that emerge, such as oh, the yeah. most famous would be yeah. uh Shining Path Galonzoism, but there's a bunch of others. Um so so there's that there's actually a whole book on this um that actually does a comparison between Trotskyism and Maoism as alternative forms of Marxist-Leninism. Uh It's by A. Belden. It's from 1988. It's called uh, Trotskyism, Maoism, in the U.S. and France. But it's it talks about how in certain places Maoism actually forms the same, like it fills in the gap for Trotskyism. But in France and England and the U.S., it's actually interesting. It, um, more or less. a uh, competes as a weird other sectarian form. Um, one of the interesting things though, that we have to like look forward to, like what really kills the U S major party uh, of communism. is not the Trotsky splits. It's the Maoist ones. Um. So like when they, when, when the, when the CPUSA really starts to die, um and get down to its like perma sect form of about three to five thousand is when several different groups leave to form um Maoist sectarian groups. The RCP being the first of Boba Vac, well, what is now Bob Vacans. Oh, Bob Vacans not a founder. So um so there's that sectariana. For most people, this is incredibly fucking boring. Um, one thing that we can say. Uh, Max Elbaum says, if you combined all the Trotskyist Maoist, and official communist movements in the United States in the 70s, you would have had a million members, which I think may have been true. But I'm also skeptical that any organization could have ever can like would have ever maintained them and had that kind of mass appeal. So like the idea, if only we hadn't a split. That that we would would have all stayed together. And the reason why I think that was impossible is that all these organizations, and this is one of the first things we have to talk about, and what makes Trotskyism unique, and maybe why it doesn't or isn't relevant anymore, but all of these organizations have historically maintained the post 1921 Bolshevik faction ban. Oh yeah, uh, um, which is interesting so you mean a ban against factions
2: not the banning of a bolshevik faction no
0: the ban against yeah, yeah. factions like <laughs> yeah, yeah factions within the Bolsheviks. <laughs> so no, the there was no longer a clear left and right opposition there is no longer also left communist moves associated with the with with the bolsheviks there was no longer other factions this leads to the creation of the left opposition we associate the left opposition almost purely with trotsky we should not um, so, uh, which I, I, I kind of don't love that about Trotskyism is it subsumes the entirety of the left opposition and yeah, right. the Bolsheviks. Like we don't talk about Zinovievism. and look, Zinoviev sucks, but we don't talk about Zinovievism. We don't talk about, uh, what about the workers,
2: Kolontai. Yeah, yeah, Kolontai, the workers opposition?
0: Right, yeah. Yeah. Colentai, the workers opposition. Uh, we don't talk about. We have trouble dealing with people like Victor Serge, are um, people who have more Sovietist, um, by Soviet I mean Councilist positions in the left opposition, are yeah. um, the fact that I'm not sure that the left and right opposition, like for example, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a a startling claim. I don't think that that uh, Bukharin actually ever fully renounced his prior left um left Bolshevik positions just because he thought the NEP was necessary. So associating him with the right opposition makes sense because a lot of the right opposition picks up the NEP defense, but his other positions are not coherent with the right opposition which are more Concessionary to social democracy, and Bukharin was actually absolutely not. And I think the fact that his his major collaborator on two two books at least, right? Um, who did he co write? Uh, um, historical materialism with was it the same guy. You're talking
2: about Preobrazhensky, yeah.
0: yeah. I don't think that no historical materialism is his own pen.
2: It's uh, ABC of Communism that's co written with Preobrazhensky. Is it just
0: ABC of Communism?
2: Well, of the two, I think it is.
0: Okay, Um, now Prebysinski is associated with the left opposition, and they never denounced each other. So, uh, but Trotsky personally fucking hated Bukharin, thought Bukharin was more dangerous than Stalin. That's a world historical mistake. Yeah. Um, Oops. Etc. So you just breathe that
1: sectarian spirit out of his body and into the organizations that he (laughs) founded.
0: So I I guess we, this leads us to the very one of the very foundational things about about Trotskyism it maintains the 1921 Bolshevik membership constitution it maintains it maintains the conditions of the common turn um the 21 yeah. conditions that go out with the ABCs of communism uh that is significant um because That's where all the splitting comes from. Like
3: that's definitely where a lot of the splitting comes from, yeah.
0: I mean, now now when we get into the splits, there is no splitting or there's very little splitting when Trotsky is alive. I'm not say there's none. Actually, I think some of the splits do happen pretty early. But there is very little splitting when Trotsky is alive. Yeah. Um the other things that are un- unique to Trotskyism, I think we do have to talk about. One is the transitional program, but no one agrees on what that actually means.
3: <laughs> Just um, the very idea of a transitional program. Yeah,
0: a transitional yeah. program versus the Min Max program of yeah. The, so I guess the Second International. Do I've always wondered about this? Is the Min Max the Min Max program is maintained by Marxist Leninist parties too after the fifties, right?
2: Um, you mean the language the, or the deed?
0: The yeah, deed. it is. It's it's I think
3: the language but, is too, but I don't think that it's ever really discussed. But effe-
0: effectively, yes. Like the minimum program is operates within the purview of the of the Popular Front. Yeah, like this is stuff I mean, you can demand.
1: There's like the the weird uh, classifications of governments from the Common Turn, which mm. includes like. Do you remember this Jason, right? The, the workers government, then there's like the uh, bourgeois oh, bourgeois government yeah. with like worker elements and there's like a bunch of different classifications that the Comintern used to determine whether or not to uh, allow countries as a as a whole to affiliate to the Comintern. Yeah. And uh yeah, that 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 sort of idea kind of like I think becomes uh what the this the post-world war ii stalin stalinist uh uh orientation
0: towards uh other countries is like is uh is built is based on but what's weird about that is that we actually Comintern have seven cl- yeah the common turn classification system is also maintained during third periodism where like we don't pro- properly work with any social democrats or whatnot and then when it's returned after you know the the secret speech or whatever, um, it's maintained. It's maintained also in the context of a popular front, which has kind of made a lot of that irrelevant. Yeah. So, you know, it it it, it is where it is. But but one of the things that makes this so, so interesting is, with the exception of the United States, um. In most of these areas, the official recognized communist Party remains the biggest group, and then a socialist party that in somehow in spirit usually uh, is came some lineage back to the second international and ties to the third socialist international, which we have to admit there was one or I think still is one um, uh, is there
1: I thought they were still working on the second. Socialist
3: International. Depending on how you classify it, it's like...
1: It's, it it, to it me, might it's actually the second, be the fourth.
0: Yeah, it's the second, second, or the third second international. You yeah, remember the it, fifth international?
3: There was a Socialist International, then there was the uh, the Labor and Socialist International. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah, and there, then there's just... Yeah, and the Socialist and then International again. yeah,
0: And then there's Three. Socialist International again. Yeah. Um, and I the Socialist International... Like, one. Sorry. <laughs> and then the Socialist International... I mean, the Socialist International, you don't even really have to be a socialist party. Or you just have to throw it in your name. like the, the party of the institutional revolution, the centrist party of Mexico, was part of, was part of the current Socialist International.
3: I mean, the why- party that got overthrown in Tunisia a couple of years ago was also a part of the Socialist International.
0: Right. Uh, which is why the, uh, the DSA finally left that international um, in, I think, 2016, 2017. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It
3: was a world historic decision to leave that Socialist International.
0: It <laughs> doesn't matter. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and that international has not really mattered in a whole long time. Even when people talk talked about reaffiliating, they never, no, one's, no one in America is talking about reaffiliating with any international group beyond like a regional group like the conference out in South America. Um, so, okay. All this is to say that let's come up with the defining definitions that all Trotskyists at least start off with what makes them unique. A historical lineage to the left opposition, the maintaining of Definitely. of the faction ban, but that means you have to split a lot. Um, yes. <laughs> permanent revolution. What the? F- okay, this for me is actually when I was a when I was a post trot. One of the things that I just didn't understand. I was like, what do Trotskyists mean by permanent revolution? Because that seems to be like one of the first things post trots drop.
3: Um, well, there was well, an ar- sorry in the iso what we meant by it when we said it was that um, there's a revolutionary possibility in in any f- form of mass struggle and that like you know the uh, the road would open to into the transitional demands by virtue of you know socialist participation and leadership of that movement so like d- despite the fact that it it hasn't got any revolutionary uh, aspirations there would be some if you know, the working class and its socialist leadership was hegemonic within it.
2: That's right. It has to do with with the the disconcatenating of the idea that there's a certain stage of of efficiency in production that corresponds to the socialist transformation. And therefore, uh, the revolutionary struggle need not concern itself with the level of development on the ground in any given place.
1: And even in the ISO, there were whenever right around the time when I quit, and then they quit talking about stuff like this altogether. Uh, <laughs> they were having a an argument about whether or not the theory of permanent revolution was even relevant in. That's right. Yeah. know, in, in our era.
0: I mean, clearly one of the things that, that I can tell you about all the post Trotskyist organizations, because like I said, I was attached to a bunch of them, um, is that no, uh, it clearly <laughs> wasn't because no one maintained. Uh, it took me a long time to get that part of that is to distinguish it from the Marxist-Leninist, and this is a later Marxist-Leninist, but is maintained kind of by official Marxist-Leninist parties like the, the Communist Party USA, the Communist Party France, and definitely by Maoist parties, is the stage theory of revolution, which right, is yeah. first political, then Economic than social, I think that's the order in which it goes, or maybe it's first political, then social, then economic. I'm never quite sure what order they (laughs) put it in. Um, and when they, when they, you know, when Mao was actually being as most radically experimental as during a social revolution, and that's when he was doing the most for economics, I don't get it. Um, but that's 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 probably right, yeah. That's the argument. Like, there's also a great proletarian social revolution in the USSR, and everyone forgets that it existed because apparently it didn't change anything. Um so uh <laughs> um so so there's sometimes
3: you just have to name a period.
0: Yeah, right. Uh so there's that, there's that uh distinction. There's also the transitional program, which I've mentioned now a bunch of times. No Trotskyist groups really agree on what it is. I'm actually gonna say that, even though there was a formal program released by Trotsky, which is like which has one of my favorite things about it is it has predictions in it that are wrong. Like it predicts it predicts actually the same as the, uh, as the, as the Marxist Leninists did um, that communism was about uh, the communism was about to be dominant because they're uh, the old dynamics of pre-war capitalism were going to kick in and there was going to be an immediate crisis to end all capitalism like almost happened in 1929. Uh, it's now going to happen in the fifties. And uh, uh, everybody is wrong about that because they don't see how capital is evolving its management. But um, which is one of the first problems, but that's actually in the transitional program, right? It actually says like, 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 uh, com- like we're going to be in a communist horizon by the end of the fifties because of a capitalist crisis. Yeah. Um, that the economic element of Trotskyism is interesting because Trotsky, I'm going to say this nicely, and it's going to make a lot of Trotskyists <laughs> mad, but Trotsky was an economic moron. Um, yeah, in my opinion, like he doesn't have that much. Like it's not that big in his analysis of of things. It does come up in the transitional program, but not much anywhere else actually. And in the transitional program, he's actually re- recapitulating Soviet doctrine. I mean, I
3: think that's why, right? Like because he didn't have to be the the economy guy in the USSR. And so that that question was solved for the rest of capitalism's history, which could only be another couple of months, another couple of years, maybe.
0: Right.
2: Well, there is a moment when he does literally have to be the economics guy, and that's when he's that's when he's sent to the to the central planning. Uh, you know, uh, briefly uh, before he's booted out. Um, but you, but I I take this point to be even broader than that, and I'll I'll go a step further, which is to say that Trotsky is Trotsky himself does not distinguish himself as a theorist at any level. He distinguishes himself as a rhetorician, as a as a military commander, and as a historian. Mm-hmm. But but not necessarily as a political economist, and not as as a political theorist of any standing. Even if the theory of permanent revolution is thin. Uh, Thinner Than Anything, for example, in Marx. I'm reminded of this, of like two titles that, that I, when I was reading up for this episode, I put Standard next to one than Stuff
0: in Mao, even, which I think was uh, pretty damning. I mean,
3: <laughs> at least
0: that, Mao tried to become a philosopher.
3: That's something to quibble over because the whole Russian Revolution is based upon the what, what the Permanent Revolution is about. So that's just, it, that's hard to deny. You know? That, that sure, like, but,
2: but. Let's put two things next to one another. So there's 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 Luxembourg uh, looking at Lenin and and saying, and I know this is an apocryphal title, right? But Marxism or Leninism, polemically, and there are lots of titles that are Leninism or Trotskyism. Yeah. And you can tell the Marxism just falls out of the pot because, because the topic has changed. The topic has gone from a series of theoretical commitments that cash out as political decisions to a series of political affiliations that cash yeah. out as institutional affiliations.
3: Yeah, that's right. That's, that's entirely right. Yeah. yeah. So I just, yeah, I just mean to say that the idea that like a minority working class could lead a majority peasantry and still make a workers revolution is a lot is, that is theoretically a, a little bit heavier than you're, you were giving it credit for. Yeah. But also, sure. that's the only way that it is. Like The permanent revolution as
0: a broader concept doesn't mean anything at all. All right. So the, the few other distinctions, and before we talk about the client Trotsky, I understand what Trotskyism is, uh, that are unique to Trotskyists but maintain. One, a preference for the united front and, but a specific form of the United front, let's go into that because there's the United front from above and the United front from below. Um, the, um, and then there's also, what's the specific formulation of the United front that the USSR adopts about self-censorship. That's new. Um, I don't know. I I forget. I forget the name for it. Uh, um, and one of the videos I'm going to link in the show notes, Matt there calls it what it is. But there's there's a there's a distinct one that kind of moves the United Front into what would become the Popular Front. It's first tried out uh, on commentary advice to China and their relationship with the Guomindong. Oh, yeah, that worked um, out real great for everybody yeah, involved. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, but there's... Which means United Front... But you censor your own members do, with, through democratic centralism, um, so that they don't w- break the front, even if they're stating an actual position of the communist organization that they're in. Um, uh, Trotskyism maintains the Second International, early Third Intern, early Third International. Uh, position of united front from above strategy and united front from below so united front from above is we will join with parties uh, to use specific actions but will not join a government with them now that's a weird distinction in the united states because that's literally fucking impossible to do it's just like it's not even on the table Um, it's one of the problems with a lot with like not just Trotsky's but everybody's orientations uh, coming out of Europe when they hit the United States and they don't have a parliamentary party system to deal with, um, it it actually kind of makes the popular the Popular Front even even as understood there is irrelevant because part of the problem part of the issue with the Popular Front is you are supposed to maintain a distinct party identity even if you're joining in coalition governments. Um, with progressive bourgeois parties, but you can't maintain a distinct party identity in the United States. And when you try to, you end up being the CPUSA, which like has almost no electoral clout since the, what, 40s? Um, yeah. I mean, I think key
1: is the idea that the institution that you're a part of that is cooperating with other institutions – has to be of substantial size to throw your weight around and not be completely subsumed by the ones that you're in coalition with in the Mm -hmm. United States. That's not possible. If the, if the groups that you're in coalition with are affiliated to the democratic party.
0: All right. So we've gotten those key features of Trotskyism out. Uh, also according to Marxist Leninist, yeah, we're all secret. We're all secret fascist. Um, that's true. uh, And, uh, uh what else do they say about us <laughs> oh we're a bourgeois idealist as well uh um, wrecker, wreckers yeah um, i've been called a wrecker so I'd terrorists bit, uh um,
1: destroying fair. copper mines that's what that's my favorite thing it is why i became a trotskyist
0: <laughs> just go to the strip but but okay all that silliness aside now we have to talk about the theory the theoretical innovations that start causing the splits before we get to like the current decline yeah um so the first question that comes up is, and this and this happens when Trotsky is still alive, um, is what is the nature of the Soviet Union, <laughs> um, of which we need to maintain our left oppositions as a separate identity, not you know not as like trying to renew a faction and then are we going to be defensist or not in regards to either the USSR and U S and Soviet aligned countries? Um, are we taking a third campus or are we going to even endorse capitalist aggression against them? Um, the, the, the latter positions actually a extreme minority in the Trotskyist movement. But if you were listening to Marxist Leninist, you would think that's what they all believed. Um, but this leads you to have to, to theorize what the fuck the Soviet Union actually is and why it has deviated from its revolutionary past. And now we already have, uh, there's already a couple of traditions that have already tried this before before Trotskyism does. There's the basic big social democrats, which, you know, uh, blah, 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 Lenin's a dictator. All right uh usually that comes out of the fact that they get bitter about not being able to meet the 21 conditions and are, and they get even more mad about social fascism and yeah you know i get it like you know both both socialist and and communist end up in fucking camps in central europe because uh they're killing each other over this shit and then the fascists come and get them both yeah. Um, so, I, I, like, I, I have to remind people that, like, communists and socialists rank and file were killing each other in Europe over this. Just a reminder, they were killing each other in Europe over this. So, a lot of the bad blood is not just theoretical. It's like you killed my friend. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so, and in
1: the in the instance of the the German. SPD, they actually h- hired out the the Free Corps, like yeah. right wing paramilitaries, to kill communists.
0: Right now, interestingly, it's not a lot of people think that that's the Kowski Bernstein faction that does no. that. It's not. It's the Ebert faction, which, by the way, the right and the like the the people that Lenin split with aren't even the right wing um, of the SPD. Like the right wing of the SPD is way the fuck scarier. Yeah, um, that's right. in
2: fact, in- has nothing but horrible words to say about, about, uh, you know, about the right wing of the, of the SPD or the, you know, uh, yeah, it's important to remember that. But even in Spain, you know, during the Spanish, during the Spanish civil war, uh, you had, you had Stalinists and Trotskyists, you know, he had Stalinists, uh, rounding up and shooting Trotskyists who had even fought on the side of the Republicans. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, You know, I mean, this was look, it it matters, by the way. And this one of the things that is really distracting, potentially distracting about focusing exclusively on like positions, which is what's at stake in being a Trotskyist in various moments in history, just really changes. You Mm -hmm. began with the question, why does it even survive 1991? Yeah. Which is a good question. We should come back to.
0: Well, I mean, this is what I'm trying to build to because that's what we have to ask when we talk about the decline is like, well, If this question of positions emerges, but it comes out of very real people killing each other. And I know I'm gonna have like I know some of my positions are unpopular. For example, I tend to be a Soviet defensist, and I think some of the stuff that Trotsky said he would have done as a leader of the Soviet Union would have been just as disastrous as what Stalin did. So like some of it uh, was what Stalin did. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, and so, and so Trotsky's get real mad when I say that, but, um, but I also don't, don't deny that people were killing each other over this in active like conflicts because, because of like stances on how you did the United front. That's what, that's what that divide is in the, in the Republican army in Spain. It's like how you maintain the United front and who you're willing to work with. Um, so, there's that. Um, so, the theories, there's what Trotsky says. Trotsky kind of floats a bunch of ideas, actually. Like, Which is why most of Trotskyists can, can kind of claim that their theories about this are tied to Trotsky, except for the last one. So, there is the basic three positions. The Orthodox Trotskyist position is that the Soviet Union is defensible... But it's a deformed worker state. Why it is deformed, however, is a, even with an it, orthodox Troscus is actually still an open question. Um, whether or not it's Bonapartism or something else. A version of deformed worker state separates from it, and that it's a bureaucratic collectivist critique, um, which is which becomes parallel to the new the new class critique out of Yugoslavia. Um And I've always found it weird because I'm like – I've never really completely understood how both the deformed worker state and bureaucratic collectivism couldn't be both true. I guess the the idea – the difference is bureaucratic collectivism posits that the bureaucrats are a strata that is – effectively become a class
1: yeah it's a it's a firmly entrenched ruling class strategy. right yeah.
0: whereas the deformed worker state is like well there's a bonapartist structure but that could go away yeah but um, those
3: are just degrees you know like yeah. if there was any if there was any real basis for either one of those groups kind of existing they would have found the basis for you know and this is what starts, hey bring over that difference
0: this is what starts the first round of splits within trotskyist which is the difference yeah. between bureaucratic collectivists. And the foreign worker say theory. Now, several times out of the bureaucratic collective class, class but separately in Europe, the Tony Cliff around the Vietnam War, you start having people pick up what was formerly a left communist position, or a Marxist humanist position, depending of state capitalism. Right. Yeah. Um, However, again, these are under theorized because the theories of of why the Soviet Union is state capitalist is wildly different. And some of them are really hard to maintain when you when like the early ones are about the NEP. And that's been over since like what, like 1931 or something like.
1: Yeah. (laughs) The the Cliffite one is literally just about the fact that surplus labor is being extracted by a class that isn't the working class and kept. So that's what makes it state capitalist has nothing to do with markets. has nothing to do with anything except surplus value. Yeah. I
3: I remember one time uh, uh, I'm not going to name this person, but a person who was in uh, very high up in the ISO said to me, he was like, well, so, okay. The worker state was deformed until there was a a bureaucratic collective ruling class, you know, managing state capitalism.
0: Why, yeah. can't all, why can't all three of those things be the same? My, my, my whole life, I'm like, Ew. those are actually describing different elements of the system yeah. itself. Yeah. Uh, but what what is really undergirding those distinctions is how defenseless you're going to be at the Soviet Union. Right, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. That's what's at yeah. stake. Yeah. yeah. So what's at stake is, do we defend the Soviet Union against Western aggression or not? Which is where... The whole anarchist and right wing deviations from Trotskyism come from, and why, you know, the paleocon, why why Marxist Leninists love to actually pick up the paleocon conspiracy theories that all the Trotskyists became neoconservatives, even though Maoist also did that, but they don't talk about it. Um. Uh, but there is a real there is a real tendency in a specific subset of tendencies that goes from like Shockman to Sidney Hook. From Sidney Hook and a Sydney Hook students in the Congress for Cultural Freedom. But there's also Burnham, who leaves early on, who's a bureaucratic collectivist, who is like the father of both neoconservativism and parts of paleoconservatism, <laughs> and and kind of sets up the Congress for Cultural Freedom, uh, and stuff like that. Um, but there's also a whole lot of right oppositionist defectors from from the socialist party that get tied into that. So to blame it all on Trotskyism is utterly misleading. Um, it's just I, lazy. I, I have had Trotskyists like, who yeah. try to claim that Shackman was never a Trotskyist. And I'm like, only if you do the no true Trot, like anyone who is not an Orthodox Trot isn't really a Trot line. But yeah,
3: I mean, he was not, if the fact that he was a leader of the communist party and then a leader of the socialist workers party and like met Trotsky and, Whatever, like if you don't count those things, then sure, yeah, he wasn't a Trotskyist. Right. But if if those things don't count, then that means that no one ever was a Trotskyist,
0: yeah. Also, that'd be true for canon, the U.S. Yeah. Trotskyist, yeah. that would also uh, be true
3: for Trotsky,
0: yeah. Trotsky doesn't count as Trotskyist, which I, I've actually kind of tried to make that argument before. Um, so, so the defense is in question. And there's, like, so we have the three justification theories for why we are or aren't, right? Um, We have the, we just talked about those. But then there's defensist, third-campus, and anti-defensist, or even anti-communist, Trotskyism that emerges. Now, I I will point out that I think the anti-communist, anti-defensist line is pretty fucking rare. Well, and also like, but it does
3: exist. At a certain point, it stops being Trotskyism, you know. Just it stops having much to do with it. So, like, if you were making a chart, you could draw that line. It would you just fade out?
0: Well, I, I, I've seen the chart, and it does like it. It, it that's a decision. Like we now are dealing with something that's mutated into something else. Okay, yeah. Um. Uh, but that you know they also talk about the ultra left, uh, our left communist deviations of mutating into something else too. Um. So. That's what the debate's about. So this leads us to my first question. Why the fuck was there still Trotskyists after 1992? Because as Mike McNair points out in the book, Revolutionary Strategy, uh, they were all, ex- with the minor exception of maybe the Marcyites, wrong about what was going to happen in the Soviet Union. None yeah. of their theories... Or their positions on defensism ended up mattering.
3: Yeah, I mean by by ninety, but ninety one, ninety two. By that point, the any any actual reason for a distinct kind of communism has already been kind of dead for like a couple of decades, and they're just existing because you know the, a, a tiny handful of people make their living off of running whatever weird sect, and if if they were to all merge into one macro sect then they would have to, have, I don't know, find jobs or something.
0: So what's interesting about this is this is also the, one of the things I will say about this is most of the, like, yes, the US SWP, I think still technically exist. And I found like Pathfinder, I find interesting oh, yeah. like Pathfinder press stuff, like outside of the United States more than I find it inside the United States, which is pretty funny. Then they sell uh, the
1: Pathfinder press? Like, yeah, but the easy. Pathfinder
0: tendency still exists. Yeah. Um, anyway. So, there are dozens of them, at least. Yeah, dozens. <laughs> um, but one of the things about the post-1992, let's think about the ones, the Trotskyist organizations that actually are still around. Uh, Solidarity. I don't know when they start, but they're still around. I think they started in like
1: 83. Okay. They they, they split off of the uh, Jack Barnes and Mary Alice Waters SWP, and then they bring in, a, right? Is that correct? And then they bring in Part some of other them. elements. Yeah. Because Part of, of the hard... The hard, like third worldist pro Stalin turn that the SWP takes, I think yeah. in the early eighties.
3: Yeah, eighty three, I think is the, is the year.
0: The uh, so there's that. There is there is the Norfites who are small, and that's the Socialist Equity Party in the United States. There might even be a dozen of them. Um, but they, they the thing is, they have staying power. Don't mock them. they one of the few. They're like they're still around. Um, <laughs> Uh but I'm
3: mocking them because they're still around.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, the interesting thing about them though is they're actually even hard to categorize according to our current schema. Like yeah. because they take they take they take a mixture of they take a lot of ultra left positions, actually.
1: They really do, yeah. I mean they um, yeah. a bunch of like sort of identity issue uh based issues that they take are incredibly ultra left.
3: Well, and also, like, they disagree with one thing that at least I might consider to be fundamental when it comes mm-hmm. to Trotsky's, uh, whatever political strategy, which is trade unions. They just, they won't have anything to do with them.
0: Right. <laughs> which,
3: um, which would, I think, that would disqualify you.
0: So the, they are, they take the same position of trade unions as councilists. They actually take a harder position than Bordigas do. Yeah. Um, so, so the Norphites are still around. Um, I don't know when they start. They must have been in the 80s. The ISO is still around, but the nature of the ISO has changed. This is it's it's incredibly taken on the character of its British of the British Cliffites, um, which is not its origin. Um
1: in, oh, you, you mean in 1991?
0: Yeah okay even as early as nineteen ninety one we're seeing like this british strain really becoming dominant yeah um so we have solidarity we have we have the i s o we have the the socialist equity party um this one's real small but they they hit above their weight with their web with weird website and publication so we can't ignore that um who else is around in ninety two um I guess the WWP is still around. It's like they, I, I think at that point they're also still they're still important because they end up becoming the basis of like international answer and whatnot.
1: Right, and they our, have our, is that before the split?
0: With, yeah, uh, they, they they split in the early aughts. With yeah, the early they split aughts. in two thousand five. Yeah. Oh wow, that late. Yeah.
1: Okay, so that then they split from from the Workers <laughs> World Party to
3: the Workers World Party and the. Uh, the
0: party for socialism party and
3: liberation, for, the pumpkin spice for, latte, right? Both of those things, too socialism and liberation.
0: Yeah, yeah. party for socialism and liberation. Uh, th- that split is not ideological, even really initially. It's no, about no. Control. it's clearly not, yeah. It's about control over resources of a party in California and relationship over resources to international answer. Um, but I think it, at this point, there's no like. Like, if you go to the WWP or the PSL now, they literally pick up like 1930s and Marxist Leninist curriculum and start with that. And then, like, they, they have a lot of ties to official Chinese communism and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but in this time period, there's, I think they're still Trotskyist. There's no, no, from their own conception, they're still Trotskyist. So that's four left. Who else is left? Solidarity I and the militant—I fa- mean, the militant faction and salt and all that—hadn't come over yet.
1: No, right? You said the SWP, right? The American SWP. Yeah, the American SWP
0: still is still around, but yeah. the, right. Oh, so the, the
3: Freedom Socialist Party, which is a a split out of the out of the SWP, and it's based on Marxist feminism and right yeah, okay. and Socialist Action also.
0: And Socialist Action's around right yeah and i think
3: um, i think the group that um that becomes the uh league for the revolutionary party because it's like half a dozen guys who think that the state capitalism thesis is right but it's not a step uh but that's a step forward not a step sideways
0: so okay so yeah. the other thing that's still around uh the league for the revolutionary party and then i haven't mentioned the sparts Oh, yeah. The Spart splits. Um, I don't know when the IBT starts to exist, but the Sparts are definitely still around. Um, okay.
2: What's the end of that period, by the way? Okay, so you say, what's the organization still around in 92? When is the end of the period where it just doesn't seem relevant? Is it 2008, 2009? i it... say it's 99.
0: I, say, I yeah. actually, I actually yeah. say, we start seeing the ISO and Solidarity um and then and then start to regain actually out of the alter globalization movement believe yeah. it or not
1: And it's like the iso tailing the green party uh yeah. brings in a lot of membership and in fact i think the the biggest their membership ever is is probably after the the first uh ralph nader campaign yeah and then it fluctuates and yeah, it, right it never
3: or... it never breaks 2000 and it fluctuates somewhere around between 18, 800 and 1500 for the right. rest of the time. But but, uh, we, but 99 need... mm-hmm. that was really the year because there was the the labor party that was founded in 96 that people in the ISO were very involved in and they were very proud of and happy about. And also the ultra globalization movement and the green party like those factors all combine into that's with the ISO's moment. That's, and the that's when the ISO it's...
1: gets booted from the SWP is over yeah. the ultra-globalization movement because the ISO wanted to maintain uh, uh, an orientation of building socialist politics within the ultra-globalization movement, and the SWP wanted to change it up and talk more about anti-capitalism and try to have like a broader appeal.
0: Yeah, honestly, yeah. Um, yeah, particularly in regards to, frankly, Islamist movements in Europe. Like that was specifically part of the debate. Yeah. Um, so uh, so different kinds of opportunism leads to a split. But the but what what's funny about this is the IS tradition, the because the ISO is from the IS tradition, but the IST is really dominated by the UK SWP. That domination of of like the Tony Cliff faction as opposed to the the old Shackmanite Draperite faction uh mm-hmm. maintains after they're kicked out in the nineties. So the alter globalization movement leads to this growth. Um I think it's also interesting that this the that the ISO has ties to other English speaking uh part uh sects of significant size in Australia. Um yeah. in uh, Canada. In Canada, yeah. Yeah. Um so that maintains for a while uh interestingly I think the beginning of the of the ISO's decline comes from Occupy. It, yeah, definitely. Um, but the other thing that happens is not the ISO's fault. But uh, um, there's all these really kind of nasty sex scandals out of the UK SWP.
3: Right. Uh, yeah. well, well, and also. Um... The ISO has its
0: own, but
3: a, a part of this is also like so. Occupy created a moment that the ISO was not prepared for. Part of that moment was that Socialist Alternative finally got you know Shama Sawant elected, which means they they finally stepped onto the stage and the ISO was like very very protective of that stage and they refused any kind of collaboration. Like, I remember actually in Socialism 2014, in preparing for it, I was making the case to bring Shama Sawant in order to do the panel on elections.
0: And they they
3: were like, no, no, we can't do that.
0: It was crazy how weirdly sectarian the ISO got. They were attacking me all the time. I remember they used to like comb my blog just to make my life hard. Um, I never did that. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it was someone within the leadership because I, because my affiliation with these two post-Trotskyist organizations made me uh, both platypus and North Star made me persona non um Yeah, I probably
3: didn't like you and just didn't know you, but just like I didn't like the concept that you embodied. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. um, so, so there's that. The IMT I think is also becoming more important. Yeah, uh in the mid aughts. In the mid aughts, yeah, um, I remember
1: coming across. They had two members in North Texas. And they They, they tried to start a chapter there.
3: Actually, uh, they they made an appeal that um, they would bring the IMT into the ISO, but only if the ISO would affiliate to that international that the IMT was a part of. Right. I remember just thinking that like I would not have a more useless conversation with anyone. And this was after the ISO dropped their
0: state capitalism requirement for membership. Right. Which is interesting because the IMT, the, the Woods, I the, the Allen Woods IMT is so very, also so very British, but has its own, uh, uh, well, I, I guess it doesn't actually does it. Um, so all this happens. ISO, the ISO interestingly hits above its weight, even though it's pretty big for a sectarian organization, How's it hit above its weight? Um, it has Haymarket Press. Yeah. Um, it has and the ISR, which is very well distributed. And it has, a, sometimes. it has a fair amount of money, which I don't understand how that happened exactly. But it has like...
3: Uh, I a, mean, a lot of it was because of the the regime that we had around selling the newspaper, like... We didn't just sell the newspaper. Every individual member bought newspapers and then they went they went and sold those papers separate from the paper sales.
1: Yeah, and then and then we were basically like this the Haymarket street team. We would like yeah. anytime there was an event of any size, we would do free labor for Haymarket books. On top of the fact that they uh the the dues were pretty significant. Yeah, yeah they were heavy. like
3: really, really heavy. Yeah, and
0: um no, the were, ISO was so expensive that I wouldn't join it when I was like yeah. when I was shopping for stuff. And it was, was in America. It was
3: twenty dollars a month, and that was the cheapest that right. the yeah. dues could be. That was like was campus basically based. hardship dues. Yeah, it was campus yeah, it was based,
0: so you had
1: a revolving membership of like free labor of uh, ideal yeah. idealistic uh, college students.
0: So older millennials and younger and and younger Gen Xers when i meet them if i meet their their introduction to marxism the vast majority of them either come from the from the iso or the Sparks. um yeah which and then the imt starts growing in the in the odds uh they do a lot of internet outreach they're just better at it for some reason they they jump on that pretty early they also like and contradistinction distinction to the ISO really doubled down on anti-identity politics, like more than almost anybody else, except for the Norphites. Um Like, they're like, well, we can have Marxist feminism, but we don't have any of this feminism bullshit. We can have like... That's what the ISO that's used far to say. Position. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, that's the IMT's growth. They also have a strong base in Canada, um, and they've had it for a while.
3: The craziest um, thing about that group is like they existed they exist because of the split in the socialist alternative whatever CWI mm-hmm. because they're the group that wanted to stay involved in the labor party after Tony Blair. Right. And that means that like the US section was just founded by a guy from the UK who moved right to the US and he was like, "Well, I can't just join a US group. I'll found a US chapter of the group I was in." Right, and that's it. Like they don't—they don't have a—they didn't. I don't think they—they they ever have had a single ideological difference from the social alternative, except for the fact that um, you know, they're—they're the—they're they're the, the American version of the group in Britain.
0: So the other thing yeah. that this ties us to, though, is uh, Salt, which is also a the militant tendency, is not from the United States. Right. Yeah. It's imported. Why are all these British... What is about... One question I'm going to ask, Stefan, Chris, and Jason, what about the post-alter-globalization moment makes British Trotskyism in specific so fucking attractive that it's the dominant way people encounter Marxism in the aughts and aught and uh in early teens, at least up until right after Occupy.
2: You know, everything's mm-hmm. imported in the United States. Lots most socialism is important in the United States. Marxism is important in the United States through
0: canonite so Canonite Trotskyism is not imported. I sure.
2: Mean,
0: well well I mean it's line. imported
2: in the sense that, that canon has to go meet Trotsky and then bring Trotskyism back to the United States, I guess. Yes, I, but, true. You
0: know, but i mean like uh, but canon Canon's an interesting figure because of all the Trotskyists we met he he was in all the parties he's in he's in the s p a he's in the c p u s a
3: and he's the i w w before the s p a
0: yeah, he's in the i w w he has a line that is that i mean he's a comrade of Debs until that's irrelevant,
3: yeah, sure, i think the answer to your question can just be found um in the fact that like Americans mostly just only speak English. And so, like Ar- so, Argentines, Brazilians, they couldn't, they can't have a foothold the same way that British people can.
0: So, yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Um, although Mandel was always popular in the United States and he's not oh, yeah. part of the US. Uh, That's true. Um, Belgium. But why is specifically, Yeah. why is there a turn? This is also actually always interested me because it's over now. Yeah. This is done but for a long time the british left not the canadian left also speaks english fucking closer to us um the british <laughs> left is it is where, is where a lot of american left ideas that aren't tied to the cpusa come from um and what what makes this even weirder is during the ultra globalization movement the wwp and the and the psl really grow that's because they're in charge of international answer. But early on, they're also cooperating with the ISO. Like during the anti-war movement. They are.
3: Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah.
1: Um, Honestly, speaking anecdotally, I would say that the, when people first started using the internet to find people to be politically affiliated to the ones that would show up were the American versions of the British counterparts that were in the United States. So like I found, you know socialist alternative i found uh, cwi i found uh the the iso all on the internet you know this is all yeah, just true. on the internet and uh and they responded to you when you asked them questions uh, unlike the iww or the socialist party uh they like they, they because they had i think the backing of uh people in great britain or whatever they had uh publications coming out all the time they had books that were specifically oh you 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 have a question about this well there's a guy in England who wrote this book check yes. it out you know and right. it was it was just a, a, a resources were easily available and on top of that they were everywhere
0: every whereas the U.S. Communist Party was a joke during this time and during this time period yes. in specific um, that's where I was like you might as well just fucking be a Democrat um, yeah the DSA was also a joke it was even, even a bigger some, joke. somehow a bigger joke yeah. Yeah. But the DSA maintained five thousand membership, five thousand members for for twenty years. But they maintained those members. I think they fluctuated between four and five thousand. But well, that has a lot to
1: do with conditions of membership as well, being very lax, right? And
0: they still are. Yeah, yeah. because uh, by that
3: by that definition, the ISO should have been like thirty thousand. But in reality, the DSA was probably about what ten people who were really active for decades.
0: Right. So then salt so happens. We, Go ahead, Stephen. No, I'm just going to say just as at, at a,
2: a slightly higher level of elevation, it's, it's gotta be the case that there's, why didn't Marxism just die in 1991? Yeah. And, yeah. You know, so, and I think there are two things that it has going for it. On the one hand, it has just the, the power of its explanatory, like it's Marxism, right? Just the power, the explanatory power of Marxism and its intellectual credibility, which remains at least in some circles undiminished. And then, um, and the second thing is some muscle memory around what it's like to form an organization in the first place. Yeah. Um, but otherwise it maintains the flame of Marxism until such time when it all when it all I mean if there's an end date for me, it's the it's the growth period in the DSA because then at least yeah. there is a replacement, there is a plausible I mean, I think everyone maybe except for Varn, but uh everyone in the room uh had to join the DSA at some point, no matter what our no matter what our trajectory
0: was.
3: Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
0: I mean yeah, uh, I absolutely uh, refuse to fucking join the DSA. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you know, you were right.
0: Um, it didn't matter also, either way dude,
3: for me. It's not that's right like All of these groups they were all founded and maintained by a certain generation of people, and like you know, 10 years from now, I don't think that well,
0: whatever, I don't want to, say, I don't think that they'll be around. Well, so, so. so we're not this this we haven't really answered any questions about why but we 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 have gone over the conditions that in a very brief and we're not dealing we haven't dealt with the 60s and 70s which are both the high point of the Trotsky's organizations but also that's split mania and that's why we skipped it because it's like <laughs> yeah like that's when like everyone is splitting and everything like every 35 seconds in the 70s but um cuz there's that has reasons. a lot to do
1: Mm-hmm. with uh the FBI. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, there's that too. Um that's also true for the but that's also true for the for the Maoist organizations. Maoist organizations are yes, right for COINTELPRO too. Yeah, I, our, actually,
3: I, the first Maoist organization was founded by the FBI.
0: Yeah. yeah. So. um what I what I fucking love about about uh pro is with rare when they kill people with the exception of the Panthers. Panthers is the exception when they kill people, it's always an accident. Cause I got local cops involved. <laughs> like, like that's every time I've read, I'm like, they asked the local, co- Oh fuck. Someone's going to get gun happy. And now someone's dead. Um, uh, but most of what the COINTELPRO does is just bring out natural splits that already exist yeah. in the organization.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's, so that's like, exactly right. Splitting. There was a moment yeah. where, I mean, I think again, con historical context matters a lot when, you know, uh, when the international communist movement splits in the wake of the Russian Revolution for any number of reasons, the even, you know, the American Party, take the American Party, they take a fraction of the militant working class with them. Yes. You know, even when even when Ryan C.L.R. James split the John S.M.R. splits with the SWP, they take a fraction of its worker membership with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just not what happens in the sixties and seventies. There, I mean, you get these sort of cultural personalities emerging, and and the rest of it. Even though structurally, historically, there's still some hope that the basic Trotskyist, you know, vision, which is to wrest control over the international communist movement, <clears throat> is still at least plausible, or at least some level viable, when there's no longer a communist movement. Uh, not only is it not a main, you know, even close to the mainstream of the of the international labor movement, et cetera, when there's just no Soviet Union anymore, it becomes just, just a maintenance boat, just a lifeboat, really just a life raft.
0: Well, the one thing we have to know yeah. about the ISO and then this period post 1992, but even in the 60s, because the new left by this point, um, when they try to enter workers' organizations, they're trying to salt those organizations, they are not organically emerging from them right, anymore. Right. That's yeah. exactly right. Um, I mean,
3: when the ISO was first founded, it was like entirely within the Teamsters Union. Right. But that didn't last.
0: It was the IS long. back then, right?
3: Yeah. yeah. But so so when the ISO founded itself, it basically it it took the Teamsters out of the IS. But then it was like a tiny group of people until they stopped being a part of the working class
0: i yeah. mean and th- this is when how drapo writes his anatomy of the microsec critique of what he yeah. sees and just is like look if you're going to do that you might as well just write don't try to maintain these sects. Yeah. just communist theorize until there's a better working class movement to to uh what which is which was my position like i i was associated it's a reasonable with more- position yeah I was associated with the Draperite Marxist Center, which is center in the term of a center away from um, sectarian organizations, as opposed to the, you know, Kalske Marxist Center, which is a center of an international communist movement, which doesn't exist. So, um, not yet. Uh, uh, so true. hold on. <laughs> Um, so so anyway, to get into to, to this, I mean, it's funny. It's actually kind of funny when you look at like um, where they put like on the flowchart I'm looking at, like how Draper becomes like a sect of one, basically in yeah. 1971.
1: Um, <laughs> but uh, for all his railing against microsects, he becomes a nanosect,
0: right? And then there's like the Love and Rage Network and, and stuff like that, which are also tied to um oh, draper okay. but they're yeah. anarchists they just give up on they they give up on marxism yeah. um that creates people like ron tabor who wrote uh what the tyranny of theory and and stuff like that um wow. so and and wayne price my favorite anarchist because he's basically a marxist um but uh that that gets us that gets us into the odds uh one of the things I think we need to know, we've already moved in the seventies that we haven't, that we kind of skipped over for, for the mercy of everybody. Um, we will, I guess we have to come back there eventually, yeah. but, but we are going to note that Stefan is right. One thing happens that really happens. The tendency of the new left, and this is not unique to Trotskyism to focus on students gets pronounced. Yeah. And the organizations that survived that we mentioned in 1991, all heavily that, that's the sparks in the ISO and to a lesser degree the, the SCP etc are heavily campus organizations. You do not encounter them that much off of campus. That's how they recruit. Right. Yeah. Part of that is the changing nature of the left and the and like the Gen X left, um, which is a post new left phenomenon, but like the globalization movement I was the the alter globalization anti-globalization movement that that radicalized and also conservatized me. Um but it was like I got even though I was working class I was a working class kid and got pulled into it from zines. Like not from any traditional labor organizing, not from organizing. I got put into what would you know it's a it was a tendency of media that you, that kind of presages what we saw with the internet. Right, I mean right. that was
1: that was us too. Like, at yeah, scenes from punk shows were how I got mm-hmm. my early political education.
3: And like, yeah, actually, okay. I I I had um two copies of the ISR that I got from somebody that uh, that our band played a show with in, an, in another city. Yeah, that's before, right. before I ever met the ISO, I remember I we met, were on t- I met the ISO at a demonstration. We were reading those ISRs while we were
1: on tour, yeah. and. Uh, we were like, well, hey, they have a branch in Austin. We should look those guys up
3: when we get back. Yeah, so, yeah but, but critically, we did not meet them because we were, you know, unpacking boxes in the warehouse. Yeah. No. So
0: my point is the, the other, the, the part of it that's not students is subcultural. So again, yeah, yeah. Post Absolutely. Like, you left weird ties to counterculture, which I actually found the new left ties to counterculture to be kind of a myth when you actually look at it. But people believed it. By the nineteen nineties that's actually true. Yeah. Like these leftist organizations are spreading through subcultural polemics and, and 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 like you know, well, you want something stronger than gutter punks, so what are you gonna do? Well, you know, there's there's this there's there's your Trotskyism on the, Well
3: Yeah, it's gonna the... piss off your parents. Yep, you know, and that's even, where that even more than your haircut.
1: The, the official hat of Trotskyism, you know? that They, they say it's like the, the scally cap with the button, yeah. right? They say it's the I, official hat of Trotskyism. It's because all of those trots came out of the punk scene, and that's what all the punk kids wore. Yes, yeah, but the they, for they look like it's, they were like like
0: Gazi Murphys. fans.
3: Yeah. Like, I still wear that hat. do. But <laughs>
1: That's because you guys are really just still having it exercise your trotskyism yeah. like you said you did <laughs> okay.
3: and that's what gives
1: you trotskyism it's those hats it gets in uh, your head from um well most
0: it's like of...
3: a, it's like a um whatever it's like a reverse it's, shield of armor yeah, yeah.
0: it's like so, one ring so we now have to hurry up because i only have about eight minutes left but oh. but i, I want to talk about what happens very quickly in the odd teens salt emerges big and seemingly from nowhere it's it has no ties as we said neither it nor the imt have any ties to quote indigenous trotskyism this is not a split from anything that comes off canon which everything else we've mentioned even the norphites are yeah um so well that leads us to this weird thing why did that happen and two things occupy happens the iso is ill prepared to, to handle it for whatever mm-hmm. reason, and Kasama Sawant has a successful campaign in 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 Seattle, and not only successful, I I, I shit on on uh, a lot of salt who get really misty eyed about Kasama Sawant's post first year campaign, but her first year she actually does shit.
3: Yeah, like they also they also almost won a similar victory in Minneapolis. Right, they came within like four hundred yeah. votes. And so they, they
0: almost really did matter a lot. So this Whatever happens at the exact same time across the pond. The 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 the, the USSWP—I mean the UKSWP, excuse me. Fucking the other thing with trots is like at least Maoists give their organizations ridiculous names, um, so they're easy to tell <laughs> apart. Um,
1: so except for the two Freedom Road Socialist
0: Organizations, yeah. But I mean, like <laughs> Monkey Smasher's Heaven is easy to remember. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shining Path, leading, leading, lights, a Combin- yeah. leading lights, yeah, leading lights, Communist organization. You remember the LLCO, yeah. Um, so, anyway, so so having nothing to do with this does have downstream effects. Is around or, around the alt tens? There's a bunch of sex scandals out of the out of the UK SWP That's yeah. really really damaging. A bu- there's a bunch of splits that kind of leave Trotskyism all together over it. It, and it,
1: it's it splits the ISO from the SWP who were in the process.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. The other issue that you have is Galloway happens.
1: George, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, George
0: Galloway, and you have this increasing time with the SWP with Islamists, and it gets more and more seemingly tied up into like conservative Islamic politics in the UK, which is a big tension in the US too. Um, and then. The Arab Spring happens, and I'm just going to say the international, the IST gets fucked in the Middle East. Because one of the things we have to admit that the IST actually has people in the Middle East, which is not true for most other Trotskyist organizations. Uh, and they get screwed in the Arab stream. Like, there's a body count there. Yeah. yeah. So all this we, happens.
1: We were getting updates on the ground from people that were affiliated to the Tendency. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So we, yeah.
0: And And then they they disappear. Hey, market. Yeah, a lot of them are probably in a prison across the street from where I used to live. I'm not even joking. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I remember you saying something about that. Yeah. The political prison was literally across the street from where I lived. Um, I couldn't take pictures in front of my own apartment because I would be accidentally taking pictures of the political prison. Um, It's fucked up dystopian shit. But um, all that happens. Uh they're they're flat footed on Occupy. Sanders happens. Now, this leads us to a question.
3: That's a really big thing. Yeah. That's
0: Sanders TV. also fucks Salt because Salt won't drop its orthodox Trotskyism to fully get on board with Sanders. They can't replicate what they did with Kasama Sawant. So Salt yeah. if you meet like older millennial people who get into Marxism, they come in usually from the from the WWP or the or the PSL, that really starts later. Are um, they coming uh, through Salt? There's just you met. I knew a ton of people who first encountered me who were post Salt, who came in after Sawant. Um. Mm-hmm. Now I'm am abroad at this point. I'm also salty and beginning to be fed up with all you fucking Trotskyists at this uh, at, at this point in my life. But so that so that happens in the DSA reemerges. Now the DSA never made sense to me as where the clearinghouse became, except that Bosch Sankara and, 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 uh, had made that choice. He was given a lot of choices. He flirted with other organizations with Jacobin and Bernie Sanders has historically been in the DSA since like the fucking eighties. So, well,
3: yeah, it, this, it's a lot of things, but one thing that's not normally discussed is that the Jacobin Reading Groups, which yeah. before they were founded, I remember Bascar was giving a talk at a socialism conference, and they were going to be the basis of a revived socialist movement. They were like the organizing center, and then eventually they become branches of whatever group turned out to be the DSA. The just model. Yeah, it was a very successful. You know, It just didn't matter, but, but it was successful.
0: Interestingly, it has ties to the Jacobin Reading Book. Actually, does have direct lineage ties to the Platypus Affiliated Society. <laughs> that was <laughs> that, the, that was
1: of uh, the first well, political stuff that I did for uh, after having quit the ISO for years was founding a Jacobin Reading Group with Jason. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
1: that's right.
2: You know, there's, there's also some parallelism. I mean, I have not that, the, that, the reason why everyone entered the, 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 you know, the DSA was just, just a homonym. Uh, they, you know, you, you had a, you had the word democratic socialism out there and people were looking for something that had that name. Um, although I, I acknowledge there is some, I guess, institutional tie, although Bernie Sanders didn't trumpet his membership in the DSA and still doesn't. Um, if, if he even is a member of the DSA now, um, you know what's interesting is that the DSA's electoral strategy now looks a lot which is one in defeat crafted in defeat looks a lot like the original salt strategy which is electoralism but at the municipal level and trying to reverse engineer a constituency by virtue of victories yeah. um you know yeah. so now we have two two salts
0: yeah <laughs> Well except so, salt so, yeah. the the issue so what happens the dSA itself arguably and i'm gonna i'm gonna now go through my argument for why the dSA is actually a post trotskyist organization the dsa itself uh emerges from the shackman split the um the shackman split with the non trotskyists in splits into what two groups or three groups um, there's the social Democratic u s a there is the Socialist Party of America, which people forget about. Uh, uh, Socialist Party USA, which is trying to recapitulate the multi-tendency Socialist Party, but refuses to work with Democrats. That's, that was where I come from, really. Um, which is and, like Solidarity, except for that it has a different name. Yeah, it well, it, it, in the, I mean, the, the difference between that – I will defend the, the Socialist Party on one thing. There is no – there is no faction ban, so there were tendencies yeah. in it. Right. Um, yeah. but the funny thing about Trotskyism that we we haven't covered is sometime in the 70s, even though they maintain the faction ban, they start seeing themselves as their only viability as as uh tendencies within already existing parties. Like like they're no longer trying to make their own workers' party, they're now like, well, we have to maintain a socialist tendency out. That enters into a workers' party, um, or has some kind of united front strategy with the Democrats. Now, and I think ultimately, in my grand durae, that we've had to rush through this and we haven't like and we haven't even talked about the key points. We'll, uh, we'll pick it up again. But uh, in my grand grandeur, what happens is all these factions, with the exception of the people who are tied to, so the sp the sp USA still exists and still has its own stuff, but. All the other factions liquidate very quickly after the ISO dissolves. And the reason why the ISO dissolves is nominally sex scandals, but I also think it's because their ties to Haymarket Books meant that they had to have corporate accountability practices, which is why the sex scandals were finally handled, which dissolves the organization. Yeah. Um. And so. Well, that, and also because there there weren't,
3: there was not a new layer of young people to join because they were all going into the DSA.
0: So, so you have this post Trotskyist social democratic faction and then in it around 2020, um, between 2019 and 2020, um, they see that the DSA doesn't have a regional organization and all these caucuses have been emerging, starting with actually like an anarchist caucus, the left social, uh, libertarian socialist caucus. But then, so the, so the, the, the remnants of the ISO, about 4,000 of the 5,000 members remaining of salt who are outflanked by the, by the, by the Sanders campaign. um, and are getting tired with the only thing they can really do is like some worker salting and defend uh, Kasama Sawant's seat. Um, a large portion of Solidarity all, liquef- all liquidate into and this is funny because these are groups that have hated each other for, for years into caucuses. So the ISO generates the ISO and then solidarity remainders and workers, power remainders or whatever. I forget. We forgot about workers power and our people who still around in 1992, but, um, but they all liquidate into these, these caucuses. So the Tempest collective emerges, bread, bread and roses emerges, um, the international socialist project emerges. Yeah, um, the the uh, the socialist alternative section of of the DSA emerges. Reform and revolution emerges. Um, the independent socialist group emerges. A recomposition which is no longer around emerges. Collective power which is no longer around emerges. So. One of the reasons why it's hard to talk about the death of American Trotskyism, although I still think it's dying and we haven't even gotten to the international context, but, (laughs) but they just start forming microsex within the DSA as a, as sub tendencies, because they finally, remember, a lot of these groups have been trying to liquidate into something for forever and they finally have something to liquidate into
3: Yep, yeah,
1: that's right. We did an organiza- uh, an episode called uh, "The Death of a Microsect" or something like that, mm-hmm. and we said that the microsects have dissolved themselves into the DSA, where they've reconstituted themselves as nanosects <laughs> because they and and then given up their uh, their independence.
0: Yeah, while there are some of these caucuses that are up to about a thousand people. Most of the I, I was actually informed that most caucuses, mem, most of these caucuses membership, and this is not just the Post Trotskyist ones, it's all of them, is around two to four hundred. Oh yeah, in in a sect of they say ninety five k, we probably know it's closer to seventy k, but whatever. It's um, probably
3: more like thirty, to be honest, because like I think that they count you as a member for like three full years after you ask them to stop counting you as a member. Wait, wait, did Because, like, I think I might still be counted as a member, and if I'm not now, then I I was a year ago.
0: I'm talking about the member in good standing versus the not member in good standing. Okay, yeah. And and so, like, but whatever. Everyone knows that the DSA is still claiming its high point from 2001 um, uh, as its key number, and everybody who's ever been on an international meeting and goes to a local caucus group is like, there's no way it's actually that high. And a lot of people... even without dealing with your situation, uh, Jason, which I call the LDS Church of of socialism, <laughs> because it's also really hard to not be a Mormon anymore. Um, mm-hmm. uh, as far as being officially counted or not, um, the the uh, the other issue is a whole lot of people are are truly just paper members and yeah. do not care and probably forgot they even have a membership. So. It's yeah.
3: Well, yeah, because you only pay dues one time,
0: <laughs> right? So, so yeah. you, I guess in this speed run through through the broad history of what Trotskyism is in America, like we defined it, that took us forty five minutes, and then skipping the problematic seventies that we're going to come back to. That's gonna hurt. Um, running through basically our lifetimes with Trotskyist and post Trotskyist oh. organizations. Um, we see pretty clearly the absolute disillusion of Trotskyism into an organization itself nominally a post-Trotskyist organization that, or well, excuse me, not nominally they don't recognize their post-Trotskyist organization, but they are. Um, Harrington is a former Harringtonism is a subset of Shack of late Shackmanism. Sorry, um, but. Not only that, that organization itself is rapidly declining back into positions historically held by the Trotskyist parties and the Maoist parties in relationship to the Democratic Party itself. But the the problem is, you know, so Trotskyism really no longer in any way, form or fashion offers a critique on alternative identity to the broad tendency of the reformist left. It it does not... Like, yeah, I mean, Tempest and Bread and Roses... I mean, I, I I really mean the Bread and Roses caucus, and I'm not mean to Tempest, and I probably should be. But, uh, yes, they write good polemics, but ultimately that is irrelevant.
3: Yeah, like, it's entirely irrelevant.
0: Is Tempest um, the uh, one that's all former ISO people? it's former ISO and Solidarity, but okay. so is Bread and Roses' the former ISO and Solidarity. So, like, the funny thing is now, too, is, like, if Solidarity and the ISO are back together... And also they're in league with cliff Ironically in death, all of these organizations have finally got over their theoretical defenses positions, which haven't been relevant since 1992 anyway. But as you have pointed out on your show with the apocryphal Mandel calling cliff and they both and like yeah. cliff hangs up on yeah. him. Um, they couldn't, even when it was no longer relevant, these people couldn't drop these positions because they've invested like decades and decades I, I, of their whole lives. Yeah. 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 So, so I think that's interesting. Now, as a final question for this, and then we have to go on, we're going to have to recontextualize this in terms of actual fighting grounds because we jump from the beginning to the end, basically. Um,
1: we're we're doing it the way that you read a book for grad school. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> and then go back and fill in the middle as the paper's yep. relevant. But this isn't just a U.S. trend. One of the things I'm discovering, like... Researching for this is Trotskyism and Maoism as separate entities are declining everywhere, yeah. not just here. Like, um, the Trotskyist and Maoist organizations in France, uh, the Trotskyist and Maoist organizations, and well, they're not really Trotskyist Maoist organizations in Greece, for example, pretty much all died with Syriza,
1: mm-hmm, yeah.
0: um, with yeah. like some very rump things surviving kind of separately but not not a lot um uh, we, uh trotskyism's fate in britain and in addition to the swp's problems is so thoroughly tied into Corbynism uh and and labor that they're not relevant anymore in any of the forms but you know including stuff like momentum and and stuff yeah. like that yep um and we've seen the increase, strangely, as if from a zombie from a grave, of, like, dormant official communist parties that have not had any popular appeal for over 40 years, kind of shambling back up. But they're st- they still don't have mass bases in any way. I mean, I guess Italy, they might kind of. But... Uh, but also getting in the coalitions that make them irrelevant again. Um, so I think as we go in deeper to this Trotsky problem, I think we're also going to be mapping broader trends on the mar- on the on the Marxist left um, post nineteen ninety two and post nineteen seventies. So uh, that's where we're going to end this at about two hours uh we're we obviously That's the introduction yeah we, we obviously <laughs> yeah. are just gonna think this is like the very vaguest of introductions because like i said we skipped the new left and the post new left trotskyist movement because oh my god if you think this is confusing like yeah. on my chart the 70s like you just see this exponential growth of factions
1: put um, put that chart in the show notes and send it to yeah. me so i can put it yeah. in <laughs> ours
0: <laughs> okay um, I will because that chart, it does help, but, yeah. um, it's, it's going to be interesting. Oh my God. There's the, po- God, there's a number of Spartacus splits that I didn't even know about. Anyway. Um, so, um hell yeah. One episode per Spartacus split. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> um, there's, there's literally like a block on. It has been alleged that there are at least four splits from the Communist Workers Group, split from the International Bolshevik Tendency U.S. session section. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, At a certain point, you just have to just—you can't like, even count them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like there might be two people, but anyway. So yeah. that is the introduction to the decline of proxyism in the broadest sense. Let's let's uh, what we'll regroup and focus on a thing. Um, <laughs> yes. About how okay. it happens. Maybe Sounds next good. time, let's focus on why Trotskyist move, movements went from splitting to to entryism.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting question. Yeah, it's that actually a good question. Yeah, yeah. The legacy of entryism actually by itself is a is an is an excellent topic. We can
1: start. We can start with uh you know the history of entryism and then you know work our way forward.
0: All right. And with that note, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for supporting VarnBlog. If you would like more, you can find our stream on YouTube under my name, C. Derek Varn. You can also find us on Patreon where you can subscribe for early audio access, additional shows, unexpurged audios, Q&As with me on video, and other perks such as access to our archives, Etc. There are three levels of support. One level even gets you on Patreon shows. Occasionally here you will hear shows done with other creators. I hope you enjoy them. We'd like to thank our producer, Paul Channel Strip, and Bitter Lake and Jason Miles for making our intro and exit music. And thank you for all you do. If you can't support us financially, you can support us by leaving a review on iTunes or your pod catcher choice. Have a great evening.